everyone. Happy Friday and welcome to the latest instalment of the Gelsnet Weekly Podcast, hosted by myself, Craig Gray, and I'm joined by Brian Archer today to preview tomorrow's game against Hearts and look back at all the latest stuff that's happening Rangers-wise. Just to remember, guys, uh, this is the Independent Rangers podcast, made for fans, by fans, and all content is free. Just before we start, um, we'd like to give a little um, message from one of our sponsors, and that is Forest Precision Engineering. They're a subcontract Glasgow-based engineering company, and they've been a big commercial supporter of Rangers for many years, and we're absolutely delighted that they're back in our podcast. You can get them over at forestprecisioneng.com. And don't forget, you can also visit the Forest Precision Executive Lounge at Ibrox. It's a stunning new hospitality area within the main stand. And for more information on how to book this unique and intimate space, you can email the club via hospitality at rangers.co.uk. So, as we say, it's Friday. Always good to be here on a Friday. Um, and it's a big day for Rangers tomorrow. Hearts um, at Tynecastle and a chance to go to Opera League. As I said earlier, I'm joined tonight by Brian Archer. Brian, how you doing, mate? I'm doing good, Craig. I'm delighted to have Rangers back tomorrow. Um, I'm kind of um, one of these people that international football just does need to do it for me. Um, so I'm really looking forward to getting back to watching Rangers. Yep, same here, same here. Um, the international break was that great for me that during a, a really supposedly exciting game for Scotland midweek, I actually slept through it. Um, but yeah, we, we move on to Rangers. Um, but as we say, the international break is over. The Rangers are back. And, you know, it's we need to look at it, I think, tomorrow in a more positive way. And certainly it's been, you know, the last the last wee while. Obviously, we're, we're through that first block of games, um, through the first international break, Brian. Um, I think for most people, I think it would be below average, Certainly, they would somewhat maybe the start of the season, but on the same token, I think if you said to be put at the start of the season, um, at this stage, we'd be in the Champions League, we'd be in the quarterfinals of the League Cup, and we'd be two points behind Celtic. I'm not saying people would have taken it because you'll never take being behind Celtic, but I think the big, the big sort of prize at the start of the season, the big objective was to to qualify for the Champions League, and we did that. Um, so you know. It's it's amazing how things can change because you know a couple of weeks ago it's all doom and gloom. Dare I say it? For a lot of people, it still is doom and gloom. It's always going to be doom and gloom for some people. Um, but tomorrow we've got the chance to move to the top of the table, even if it is for a couple of hours, and and it's a big opportunity, isn't it? I think yeah. I think if you look at the season domestically in detail so far, you know there's certainly been negatives in there. But I think you just kind of need to treat this international break as a bit of a reset. We had a positive weekend just before it with our result and then their result going our way. So hopefully Jules had time on the training ground, a bit of a reset for some of the players that haven't been in great form. And as you say, we've got a chance to put a bit of pressure on. Um, we play first, you know, get the three points. That puts all the pressure on them. They've got a tricky game. I think they play Motherwell. Um, so they've got a bit of a tricky game. It's not a gimme by any means. Um, so this is a chance to really put a bit of pressure on. It's something we didn't really do a lot last season. Too many times last season, when we had the chance to put the pressure on, we let them off the hook. I go back to thinking the game we were two 0 up against Motherwell, and we drew two each. I think they drew with Hibs that same day earlier in the day, and that was our chance to sort of jump all over that, and we we let it slip. Um, we can't afford to do that because they're not going to drop that many points. I don't think they'll have that many days like they did against St Mirren. 
So we really need to, you know, when we are playing first, we really need to try and put the pressure on and hopefully we do that with a good performance and three points. No, absolutely. And I mean, you mentioned there, sort of touched on it, the chance to reset. I think um, it's a weird one because I was thinking about this um, sort of throughout the last week or so that done the United game obviously we got the three points which was the most important thing the performance again wasn't great and there was maybe a lot of negativity heading out the game that day but at the same time I was kind of looking at it going well it probably was best that we went into the international break winning the game but maybe having a bad performance because I think it might have actually in a, in a weird kind of way if we went out there and smashed them 5 6 7 no, played brilliantly the first thing that you want after that is to play right again. And then everyone breaking up for a couple of weeks, I think, might have disturbed that rhythm. So do you think that might be something that could have, could have worked on an advantage? I think so, yeah. I think, you know, over the course of a season, you're never going to play brilliant every week. No team does. Even if you look at Rangers through the 90s when we're winning nine in a row, you know, we had these stuffy games where it was 2-1, it was 1-0. You're never going to play brilliant every week. So hopefully they can... Uh, bounce we got the weekend before the international break, you know, it kind of gives the players a bit of a kick in the backside. Some of them kind of need to take a bit of a look in the mirror and realise they've not hit the standards that they need to. And this is their opportunity now to really get to work during the break and put that right tomorrow. Um, hopefully, you know, Joe's done the same, kind of look at things tactically. Hopefully he changes a few things and kind of, I'm looking for him to let the players off the leash a bit. And Hopefully it does that and we can get a positive performance and result. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right there. In terms of letting players off the leash, it, it seems something that domestically we've not we've not done a lot of. Um, I've sort of said that a few times, that Gio's biggest asset and biggest liability is his sort of analytical mind. I think that, you know, it's very good being analytical in Europe, but I think if you're doing it domestically, when you're in a position that Rangers are in, obviously you've, you know, you've got a lot of money compared to the other teams. You've got better players compared to pretty much every team in the country bar one so you know you shouldn't need to be overthinking it um, and I think that you know certainly last season um, towards the end of last season sort of a couple of games this season he's maybe done that a few times um, but as you say um, this is definitely a chance to, to sort of reset and you know it's it's two points a gap and as I say we could be taught by 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 two o'clock tomorrow um, in terms of the actual team tomorrow then um Another selection headache for him, mostly with the the bad news that Tom Lawrence um, earlier on we found out is going to be out today. We don't have an update on when he's going to be back, but I think tomorrow um, would have been a perfect game for him to be honest to play. Um, he's the type of guy he can he can sort of cut open a defence and often um, he's I think he's a guy that's very very quiet in game, but he pops up at the big big moments. You know, I think the Hibs game away. Pops up. I thought I actually take my pal literally a minute before he scored that header and I said Lawrence has been absolutely terrible today. And then it's like a minute later, <laughs> you know, he scored that great goal. Um, I'm thinking of that. I'm thinking of the PSV game where he scores a free kick. Um, so I think for a big game, he would have been someone that, that would have been perfect. How, how big a miss do you think he's going to be tomorrow? And who do you think we should maybe, maybe play instead of him? I think he will be a massive miss and I think to be honest he has been a miss since he's been out I think you've seen that um, I'd probably describe him I think we've used this same kind of way of describing Hadji as he's a moments player he's yeah. not somebody that's going to be in the game for the whole 90 minutes but he'll pop up with a key pass 
Um, he's, you know, we've seen he's not afraid of taking a shot. Something this Rangers team badly needs is players that are willing to shoot from outside the box. Um, he's proven he's willing to do that, and he's pretty decent at it, to be fair. So I think we'll miss that kind of those moments from him. That intelligence that he's got, he seemed to be linking up quite well with Ryan Kent. I know Ryan Kent's been a bit off the boil um, recently, so I think you know if we can get Lawrence back as soon as possible. And I think you could see a bit of an upturn in our attacking play in terms of who comes in for him. Um, I want to see Tillman play through the middle. I think he is, you know, ideal position as number 10, playing off of either Morelos or Cholak. And then you're going to imagine he's going to play Kent in one of the wider roles. And then for me, it'll be either between Matondo, Wright or Arfield for the other side. Um, I, I think that's probably how he'll go. I don't see too many surprises in terms of the attacking areas of the team um, um, midfield might he's got kind of more options in there but I think that's probably how we would look to, to line up in terms of attacking um, um, and it's just a question of whether he goes with Cholak or Morelos mm-hmm. Yeah and that, that's something that we will uh, touch on in the, the next few moments I mean I, I think in terms of what you've said there um, I think it will be our field that sort of plays in that sort of right forward role. Um, I just think that's maybe with an eye to the game on Tuesday as well, because I think I've got a feeling that Scott Wright is going to start. And if you'd more so, I mean, not for his actual footballing ability, all due respect to the guy, but I think um, in terms of, you know, his pace and his, his, his work rate and his closing down, I do think Scott Wright does that well. And I think that he's he has shown in sort of games against big, big European opposition, you know, I'm thinking about the Leipzig game, Braga, etc. Even in the Europa League final, I mean, it wasn't great, but, you know, you still need energy um, like that to sort of keep you keep you out of the park. So I think he might be saved for, for that role for the Liverpool game. And obviously, Arfield, he's actually done quite well this season, Arfield, I think. I mean, a lot of people were, were maybe unsure of him. He's got four goals, I think. Um, so, you know, he's an experienced player. He knows what it takes to, to sort of go to to grounds like this and, and score goals and, and, and try and help Rangers get results and that's certainly what we hope he can help do tomorrow and obviously you, you touched on it there um, a big decision that the manager has to make is it Cholak is it Morelos up front Morelos it now does seem that he is he is up to speed I mean he's got to be surely now um, I thought he'd done very very well against Napoli um, obviously Cholak's been banging, it, uh, banging the goals in um, the manager was asked earlier today um, have you made your mind up um, on who you're going to start up front tomorrow? And he just said yes, and that was it. So nobody knows what he's going to do, um, which is good. I like that from Gio. I like the, the sort of secretive nature sometimes of him not revealing his lineup, which I think he was possibly a bit guilty of last season, given things away a wee bit too early. So I think that's something that he's learned. Um, me personally, I... I think he's going to go with Cholak. I probably would be inclined to go with Cholak just because of the form that he's been in, um, you know, and the goals that he's been scoring. Um, and it's a variety of goals he's been scoring as well. But I do also think that he's looking to Tuesday as well and thinking that Morelos is more suited to that sort of game at Anfield, you know, being physical against the likes of, you know, Van Dijk and what have you. Um, whereas I think if the ball falls to Cholak tomorrow, I think he'll put the ball in the back of the net. What's, um, what's your thoughts on that sort of striking dilemma that he's got? Um, so similar to you, I think 
he'll probably go with Cholak. Personally, I would go with Morelos. I just think in this game, for me, this game, not to say it's the most important, but for me, this is the one we absolutely need to win to put that pressure on. If you were asking me, you know, if we could only win one of the next two, I would be, I'd bite your hand off for three points tomorrow, um, Mm. to be honest. Um, And I think this game, for me, it needs more of a physical presence up front. Um, Cholak's a big guy, but Morelos is capable of just putting himself about a bit more. He can occupy an entire back four on his own. He's got a bit more of a link-up play to him than Cholak. Cholak's a pure kind of penalty box finisher, which you need. And to be fair, he's, he would also be a good option off the bench if we need a goal. Um, but I think for starting it, I'd be inclined to go with Morelos just for that physical presence. Um, and his ability to bully defenders and occupy the entire back four and hopefully create space for guys like Tillman and Kane and um, Arfield on the right. Um, for me, that's what I would be doing. Um, I wouldn't mind actually seeing them both. I don't think this will ever happen under Gio, but I wouldn't actually mind seeing them both on the pitch at the same time. Um, just as an experiment, um, I'm not convinced Gio's inclined to, to play two strikers, um, but Maybe it's worth an experiment, but I guess we'll see. Yeah, I think I think in terms of that, it's, I don't think that's ever going to happen. You know, I was at a press conference. I think it was after the Comarnock game, um, the two and one, and he was asked, and it was basically he, he looked shocked at the thought of playing two strikers up front, and he's just like, "No, I'm not. I'm not doing it." Um, he did say that he may think about doing it if you know we were desperate for a goal, um, but that that is about as far as it goes. I think that. He's obviously got his style of playing, you know. He's, um, you know, he wants to, he wants to sort of stick, uh, stick to that one striker up front. Um, but obviously as well with um, Lawrence being injured, we got another sort of injury update from the manager Ella, which wasn't a good one. Um, John Sutton and Philip Hollander, it's confirmed that they're out until after the World Cup. Um, you know, for for Sutton, it just seems like a repeat of his sort of, you know, persistent issues that we've seen at Hearts. Um, I feel really sorry for the guy. I, I'll admit. I mean, a lot of people are, you know, sort of, you know, hating on him and hating on Rangers. You know, as if to say, oh, why did we sign him on his injury concerns? I mean, at the end of the day, for me, John Sutter was a was a risk free signing in the sense that he was a free agent. His wages are going to be nothing compared to what the likes of Hollander's getting paid. Um, and you know that if he does do well, it will pay off in the big time. If it doesn't pay off, which it hasn't so far, then you're not losing an awful lot, but you do really have to feel for the guy, don't you, Brian? I think you do, yeah. I mean, I was reading an article in The Athletic today about David Tempo as another player who's kind of career-blighted by injury. Um, and that was another story where you've kind of got to feel from you. No, no footballer wants to be injured, you know. John Sutter would, would much rather be out on the field tomorrow, you know, playing for Rangers. It's not it's not John Sutter's fault. It's not, I don't think there's any criticism maybe levelled at him and I think that's entirely wrong for him that, that does that. It's not his fault that he's injured. Um, you know, it's just unfortunate players pick up injuries and some players pick up more injuries than others. Um, in terms of us signing them, you know, I get the argument of, you know, they were not looking at his injury record and it's fair to say that he'd been injury prone prior to signing for Rangers. But it's kind of like you say, it's it was a bit of a pun, a risk-free signing where free transfer, if he comes in and does well, then you can flip him potentially or you get good service out of him. And I'd imagine our medical team have kind of backed themselves to 
um, get to the bottom of his injury problems and you know get him fit and get him playing regularly. Hopefully that's still the case. I'm, I'm by no means writing him off. You know, he's signed a long term deal. You know, he's here for a few years. Hopefully he gets over this injury and he can put a run of games together. Um, and if that is the case, I do think he can be a he can be a success. I don't see any reason why. You know, if he can get himself fit and clear of injuries, he couldn't, you know, get get a starting place in that team. To be honest, mm-hmm. no, absolutely, especially with you know the sort of defensive issues that we've had this season. I mean, there's, I think a lot of people would rather that maybe sort of was in there instead instead of Sands. Although I, I, mean, I personally think Sands has done okay, but I think you kind of hit the nail on the head there when you were when you were talking about Rangers. Maybe even you're saying that you know they will obviously have a belief that they can get him, you know, back up back up to scratch and something that I really picked up on what Gio said earlier was the fact that he said that he, this was the first time in months that he's not in pain and to me that's not a surprise that as soon as he's came to Rangers where you're going to get properly treated and properly look, looked after um, I mean I know look, Hearts at the end of the day are a very professional club but the level at Hearts compared at Rangers compared to Hearts is, is night and day um, so you know clearly you know, the guys at Rangers knew what they were doing. It's, I, I have seen a lot of criticism actually of the sort of Rangers medical team and the, you know, the scout departments in terms of, you know, the amount of players that we have had injured and, you know, people maybe saying, you know, why why are we signing players that are always injured? Well, the sort of rebuttal I would have to that is that apart from Suter and uh, Roof, you know, none of the players that are injured now, you know, your Hadji, you know, Morelos obviously had a spell in the sidelines, Halander, um, even off the ball with his, you know, his his, his heart condition. That's that these weren't things that were pertinent in the players' careers before they came to Rangers. Um, it's only been unluckily happening since they've came to Rangers now. Halander's maybe more of a sort of long term issue. We'll touch on him in a wee minute. Um, in terms of his future, because you know last season he was out injured and then he came back and then he was out injured and he came back again and then he was out again. But the Morelos one was just one injury that was very long term. And the Hadji one's one injury that's very long term. I mean, that's really, really unlucky. Um, and I think a lot of people do maybe underestimate the amount of injuries that we've got, Brian. Yeah, I mean, I think it's obviously frustrating for fans and we tend to kind of look into it in a bit too much detail because nobody wants to be missing players, especially players of the quality of Hadji and Roof, you know, real game-changing players. And it can kind of look... The injury situation can look worse than it is when you've got, you know, these key players out injured um, but like you say you know the Morelos one was just that. I think that's probably his first long term injury since he's been here he's other mm. than that he's been pretty pretty solid for us and he's been always available um, when he comes back when he comes back from international duty in time but um, <laughs> but I think yeah it can be really easy because it is so frustrating when you've got kind of players that are seen as key players out injured you know everybody said when Highlanders fit He's potentially one of the best defenders at the club. So he's another one that, you know, we always remember how good he is when he's fit and then when he gets injured, it's frustrating. But, I mean, every club's got injuries. There's not, you know, football's a kind of high-impact, high-intensity sport. You know, nobody's going to be injury-free. It's just unfortunate some players, you know, bodies don't handle it as well as others and some pick up injuries more than others. You know, there's players that clubs have signed that never had injuries before they signed them and then when they arrive they you know they pick up you know more frequent injuries it's just one of those things um we just kind of need to need to deal with it and you know 
have a bit of faith in the medical department that they kind of know what they're doing. You know, I'm sure they've seen all this before. This won't be anything new to them. And they'll know how to get the players through it and kind of get them the right support and get them on the road to recovery. Mm-hmm. Well, the thing is, I mean, the people slagging the medical team, I mean, up until the summer anyway, I know we had Matt Waller in, um, who was like Liverpool's sort of basically head doctor for, for years and years through... Um, you know, the likes of um, Rafa Benitez and 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 whatnot. So, I mean, I think guys like that know what they're to- uh, know what they're doing, know what they're talking about. I mean, you don't get you don't get employed by clubs like that if you know you're doing a bad job. I mean, uh, guys like that have forgot more about you know sports medicine than I'll than I'll ever know. So it's not <laughs> you know I'm not going to sit here and criticise them. You know, it's it's definitely not. I'm not in a position to criticise them um, or can I you know, have an opinion on how they're doing their job. They know more about this than I'll ever know. Um, so I trust that we've got the right people in the right positions. And, you know, we've just been, we have we've been unlucky with some of these injuries. You know, Hadji's one was, was an unlucky one. At the time, it didn't look as bad as it's turned out to be, but it has turned out to be quite a serious one. But, you know, again, I've got, you know, confidence in the medical team that they've seen all this before and they know, you know, how to get the players through it and get them back to fitness. No, absolutely. I mean, one of the big ones there is obviously Hollander, and you, you mentioned there, I'm actually one of those people that think that he is the best defender at the club when he's fit. I just think that, you know, with it's kind of like a perfect storm for him at the moment. I think that in general, even if he was fit, I don't really think he suits Gio's sort of style of play in terms of coming out from the back. Um, you know, I think he is, he is obviously a small player, but his recoveries are excellent. Um, that that was kind of one of the first things that sort of um, got me about him. It's like if the guy did make a mistake, he would always recover very, very quickly or maybe not a mistake as such, but for every sort of yard or two yards extra pace that an attacker had, he would make up for it in terms of his strength, um, which was not one or two times better than the attacker. It was five or six times better. So he, he's winning sort of nine times out of ten a challenge. I just think, unfortunately for him, um, you know, he's coming to the end of his contract this year. He's obviously on on big money. He came in for a, a pretty sizable fee. I think it was about three million quid or something like that in 2019. Um, and it doesn't look like he fits into the manager style of play. I think it might be the last that we've seen with Philander, unfortunately. Are you kind of inclined to think that way as well or? Can you say something for him? I mean, I think so, unfortunately. And it's a shame because I think when he's fit, I'm not sure. I think Gio would certainly give him a chance. I'm not sure he would just dismiss him. You know, if you look at Katic, we kind of knew from the off, Gio didn't fancy Katic. He doesn't play the way Gio wants to play. He's not kind of as good on the ball as what Gio wants his defenders to be. But I think Hollander's a bit different. I think he's, he's not the worst on the ball. You know, he's not, you know, he's decent. Um, and I think the thing that's always me about Hollander is he's reading of the game. So he doesn't need that blistering pace because he's reading of the game so good that that'll get him out of any trouble. Um, so that was always, and he's, you know, he's a big guy, he's tall, he's physical, which you need you need in this league. Um, so he's got all the attributes. I think the thing, the reason why I don't think that we're in a position to be able to offer him a new contract is, is that injury record. I don't think, you know, we don't know when he's going to go be back and then when he does come back, we don't know how long he's going to take to get you know full that sharpness 
And then if he'll even come back the same player he was because he's been out for so long, I don't think we'll be in a position to kind of offer him a new contract on the hope that he is back to the level he was at. I think it is going to be unfortunate that um, he'll leave on a free in the summer, um, which is a shame because I think you know that 55 season he proved that when fit he's one of the best defenders in the league because I think he was fit for the 55 season for the majority of it and the partnership that him and Goldson had was basically the bedrock of you know that that season and that you know record that we had for the least amount of goals can conceded. Yeah, you're right. I, th- I think as well that. Obviously, under Gerard, when you know he first came in, it was kind of Goldson and someone. It was Goldson and Katic, It was Goldson and Warrell, and it was kind of chopping and changing. It wasn't until Hollander came in where that was Goldson sort of first proper, you know, long term partner. If that kind of makes sense, where you just knew that it was going to be Goldson and Hollander, um, and you know, for that, even when Hollander first came in the nineteen twenty season, I thought the first half of that season. Um, they were excellent, which obviously culminated in his, you know, getting through to the um, the next round of the Europa League, beating Celtic at Celtic Park, and then obviously the the inevitable annual Rangers winter break um, calamity kicked into gear um, after that. But you know, he he was sort of a, the first long term partner for for Connor Goldson. Obviously, that continued into the the fifty five season, and I mean, people are moaning about um, obviously the money or lack of money that we're spending which we'll, we will sort of touch on a wee bit later but I mean I, I was looking at it the other day and it's like Calander, Hadji, Roof three guys straight away um, that's 60 grand minimum a week worth of talent that we've got injured um, and not playing a part in the squad so I mean when you've got guys like that earning big money that aren't playing you know, it's not really just a case of all oh, we need to. We're going to go out and sign a guy at five, six, seven, eight million quid, and we're also going to pay him twenty grand a week. I mean, the reality is, if you know, if they they three guys were sold, you freed up sixty grand a week minimum worth for worth of wages, which could have went to a new signing. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things that you know everybody says, or oh, just go and buy a player for five million. But you know, that's already saying that. But did you then need to pay them what a five million pound player's worth? which then adds extra onto the wage bill when you've already got, as you said, potentially upwards of 60 grand a week sitting on the on the treatment table. So it's all those kind of things that probably as fans we don't think about. We just want to see new signings. We just want to see them spend money on transfers. But then you don't realise that if you're buying a player for £5 million, you then need to pay them what a £5 million player's worth. You know, no agent's going to let their client move for £5 million but get paid a pittance. You know, they want what the market value is for that transfer fee. Um, mm-hmm. So it's kind of all, all very well us sitting here and saying, "Oh, just same players," but I think there's kind of more nuance to it than that, and probably more nuance than certainly what what I kind of let myself think about most times. I just want to see, you know, shiny new players holding the scarf above their head at Ibrooks. Um But as you say, you know, we've got a good bit of talent, you know, on the treatment table. Hopefully, certainly in Ruth's case, not too far away from from making a return. Mm-hmm. No, we, we certainly hope that. And just before we move on to our next topic, just want to give another message from one of our sponsors, Zenith Coins, and you can get your official Rangers Club coin copy um, over at their website. And each gold-plated coin has a unique serial number engraved on the outer rim, and it comes complete with a Rangers presentation box and certificate of authenticity. And you can join Rangers legends and famous Rangers fans like Ali McCoy, Derek Johnson, Malvin Andrews, 
Tom Stoltman, Gordon Ramsay, just to name a few, and own your official Rangers Cup coin. And the best part about this is you can save a wee bit of money on it as well. You can get 10% off your purchase by using the code GN10. That's GN10 to get 10% off your purchase and get your Rangers coin a little bit cheaper. Um, but yeah, moving on. Um, today, guys, I, I don't know if you realise, but Rangers um, released their, their 40th kit in the last four months. Um, with a new fourth kit um, that was released today. Um, uh, I mean, it's, uh, yeah, it's another one. And, you know, the last few weeks we've talked about, you know, the club kind of reading the room when it comes to communication with fans on, on certain issues. Um, I mean, look, I, I think I'm led to believe that this kit's been released because it's part of the Custor contract that apparently we need to release four kits a season. You know, if that's the case, fair enough. But, you know, it's like, are we really going to be sort of indebted to Castor forever, if that kind of makes sense? I mean, you know, I think it, it was also be in the Castor contract that they provide the best customer service and they provide premium products for fans, which clearly for a lot of people doesn't seem to be the case sometimes as well. So I don't really know how you can, how you can have it both ways. But I actually think the kit looks all right to be honest. Um, but it's just, it's like, after everything that's been going on recently in terms of the amount of money that the club seem to be asking the fans to stump up, they're now basically asking for an extra, I think, 65 quid. I mean, all I'm saying is I'm really grateful that I don't have any kids because I could not handle them sitting moaning at me, demanding that I get them the new strip. Brian, honest to God, um, what what's kind of your take on that one? Um, so firstly, I'd say I like the new kit. I really like it. Uh, I think it looks quite nice. It does look nice. But I'm not going to buy it. Uh, personally, I think four kits by September is just a bit too much. Um, I'll be honest, I've not bought any merchandise this season. Um, I think football in general, a new kit every season, I think it's a bit too much. I, it wasn't that long ago when, you know, teams would keep their kit for a couple of seasons. Um, I spent a fair bit last season on merchandise on, you know, the anniversary top, the home top, the training gear, the jacket. You know, I bought all that stuff last season. It's all in pretty good condition. I don't necessarily feel the need to have the new kit every season. Um, so I took the decision I wasn't going to buy anything this season, um, which is fair enough. Um, the thing that also kind of irked me was that when I bought the top last season, they did that thing where you can't get it printed online, you need to go into the store, because obviously they know that if you go into the store to get it printed, you'll spend extra on the training range, on the everything else, which I did, of course. Yeah. But then when I bought another top later in the season, um, I was able to get it printed online, so they know that for that kind of launch period, if they hold back the prints for in-store, people will go in-store and then they'll buy, you know, they'll spend the extra, which is common sense, and, you know, I totally fell for it, but it was just one of those things that I was like, all right, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I like, like I say, I like the kit, but, you know, four kits by by September, is it really is it really necessary? Um, I don't think so. I feel sorry for the, the you know, the parents that's got three kids that, mm. you know, they want all the kits and they want, it's not just the top they want, it's the full kit, um, which is, I don't even want to think about how much that costs on the top is about 65 quid, I don't know how much the full kit is, and then if they want it printed with a name and number and all the badges on it, that all adds up 
you know, is it in this, you know, kind of cost of living crisis is, mm-hmm. you know, asking fans to fork out for another kit really a sensible thing. I appreciate that it's probably in the contract, so we've not got any wiggle room. But you're kind of wanting them just to read the room a bit better and, you know, judge the mood of the fans and realise, right, now is probably not the best time to hit go on this. Maybe we'll hold off for an extra month. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they've, it's released. I like it, but um, I'm not going to buy it. And, mm. you know, I think it's just a bit too much. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree. The, the thing that I don't understand is, like, why... If there is another kit to be released after you've released your free, why not release it around maybe Christmas time? Because, you know, people seem to be a wee bit happier around Christmas time for whatever reason. And also as well, you can use it as an excuse to buy it as a Christmas present. Um, but, you know, I hope... The thing I was wondering was, is this is this the last kit this season? Because I think last season we had five because we had the, the anniversary kit. We had the 150th anniversary kit. Then we had the, the kit for the Legends game as well. That was right, really, yeah. So I think we actually had five kits last season. Well, yeah. So, aye. you know, you just don't know, is this is this the last kit or are they going to do another one just before Christmas to try and get, as aye. you say, the kind of Christmas shoppers? Well, you never know. I mean, Edmondson House is supposed to be opening up soon, so they might have like an Edmondson House, you know, like retro kit or something <laughs> like that. But then again, I, I'm sorry, please, if anyone from Castor's listening, do not do that. <laughs> Um, do not take um, marketing advice off me. Um, but yeah, I, it, it does seem a wee bit much, but again, it's just kind of, it's just something that's happened and, and you've got to kind of get, get on with it. I mean, it does sort of fit in all to the sort of bigger issues at the club in terms of the, the communications with the fans. And, you know, I just wanted to speak about the, the John Bennett and, and Stuart Robertson interviews that were, that were conducted um, recently. Um, James Bisgrove actually as well he done one with heart and hand so we can kind of touch on that a wee bit as well um, I, I mean I thought it was good that you know we've at least got people speaking um, you know I think in terms of John Bennett though whilst I do I, I, I like the guy I think he's a you know I don't think he's he's dishonest or anything that he says I think he comes across really well um, but the issue for me with that is first of all the fact that it's all in house, which means that you know you're not going to be asked really difficult questions, unfortunately, and also as well um, the sort of um, just just some of the stuff that was um, that was being said in terms of it being put behind a paywall initially. Now I know Rangers did rectify it, and after like a couple of hours and put it in YouTube, so. Fair enough. You know, I'm not. I don't want to. I don't want to criticise the club too much for that because I think you know at the end of the day you can't criticise the club for you know they're not they're not doing this they're not doing that and then when they rectify it then moan that they did it in the first place. It's like you know you need to give the club credit for actually rectifying it in the first place. But I think the the one sort of takeaway that I got from from John Bennett's interview was was a lot of the buzzwords and the favourite one that he liked to use was sort of best in class. Um, in terms of a lot of things happening in the club, but the problem is it, it, it doesn't seem for a lot of things that the fans are getting best in class. You know, as we say, with the sort of customer service side of things, it's not great. Ticketing's not great. My jails isn't great. And, you know, I don't want to be, don't want to try and come across as one of these guys that, you know, moans all the time or anything like that. But, you know, you can't, you can't, say best in class you can't charge best in class but then not give best of class yeah I mean 
I think back to the kind of initial release of the interviews, it feels like Rangers are scoring a lot of own goals just now off the park in terms of their communication. Yeah. You know, it it feels like it's not a it feels like it's not a massively difficult thing to solve in terms of the communication piece. You know, it feels like it just needs people to think more about the optics of things and, you know, read the room a bit better, as we've said. You know, the thing about it being behind a paywall, you know, if you're trying to put a communication message out there to you, you know, and you want it to reach, you know, your entire fan base, then the logic tells you, you know, put it out free of charge on the YouTube channel. I know they rectified that and credit to them for that, but I did see a few criticism of that when it initially went up. Um, and as you say, in terms of, you know, the the content of the interviews, you know, you're saying a lot of it's kind of in-house. You know, what one of the things we probably need to accept is we're probably never going to get the answers or get to ask the questions of these people that we want to ask. Mm. Because that's, I'm guessing that's just not how, how media works these days, you know. Yeah. You don't just, even when, you know, I'm guessing even when you go to Geo's press conferences, you know, People don't just get to ask, you know, anything they want to ask, you know. Mm-hmm. If you're there as, as fan media, I'm guessing, you know, even if you're, like, totally raging after the game, you can't just, you know, let that come out because you'll just, you know, you'll, you won't you won't get anywhere with it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think the thing that kind of piqued my interest in terms of what John Bennett said was about the communication is that you kind of wound that and kind of fronted up to it and said that's not just on the comms department that's you know that has to be owned by the entire board and they have to kind of take that on and and really kind of improve on it so that's the one thing I want to see improved in the next months um, mm-hmm. and that's the kind of one area where if he wants to aim for best in class then I think that's probably the first area that they should be aiming for in terms of the off the field stuff Mm-hmm. And then there's the other issues around, you know, he's, I think John Bennett said they were looking at um, a new ticketing provider in terms of for the online tickets for the Edmondson House and for the match tickets. So hopefully that improves things for people. You know, my jails is a kind of continuous thing that I'm guessing they're continuously looking at and trying to improve based on feedback. So hopefully they'll listen to some of the feedback on that and make improvements. You know, the positive thing is they seem to be listening. Yeah. Um, and they're they're coming out and, and saying that they're hearing this. So I think now all we need to see now is a bit of a bit of action behind that. And that's obviously not going to come, you know, tomorrow or the next day. It's a kinda of long term thing. But if we can look back in six months, regardless of what's happening on the pitch and say, right, you know, this is the communication's much better. They've taken on board this, this has improved. Um you know, even if they're just doing these regular updates and letting us know what's happening with projects like Edmondson House, like the ticket, the new ticketing system, even that would be an improvement just so the fans are kept aware of what's happening in the background with projects like that. I think that would be a big step forward. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think um, in, in terms of the communications, I mean, you know, a lot of people are quick to sort of judge, you know, well, it's the communications team fault that the communication's bad. But, I mean, as someone that works in comms myself, I know that for a lot of the time that that isn't the case because when you work in comms, you can, you know, whilst you are the communications team or the communications department, you can only say so much at the same time because they won't be privy to, you know, some of the big, big, big decisions that take place in the club. So, you know, they'll get told basically what to say by the executives at the club and then it's up to them in terms of how they 
how they frame that message and how they put that put that across. So, um, you know, as I mean, as you know, it's in terms of all departments working together and stuff like that, um, to obviously come up with the best the best messaging. But uh, you know, I, I wouldn't say it's you know just so the fault of the communications team. You know, I think as I say, someone that works in comms myself, it's like well, they they'll be getting told basically the you know, the big news of the day or whatever it is and then, you know, it's up to them in terms of how they how they communicate it. But you know, another thing in terms of that, the Stuart Robertson interview that he done, I believe it was with the Rangers Review, I was I've got to that I was quite concerned by that in terms of the Champions League money um that really seemed to come out of nowhere in terms of how how little really we were actually getting from it. I think in ter- instead of the sort of forty million that most people were expecting it's around half that, if I'm, if I'm led to believe, because of this 10-year um, sort of UEFA club coefficient. And I don't quite understand how that has only just came out just now. Um, because, I mean, you know, all that information would have been in the public domain um, in terms of the way that UEFA work the, the finances. Um, you know, this has been going on for a, a few years now. It's not... It's not just came out and oh well, UEFA haven't just went all Rangers are now in the Champions League. We're going to give them half of what the half of what they would normally be due. Um, so that that was a big communication concern for me, not just from the club, but I think in terms of sort of the media as a whole. Because you know, if you look at all the the newspapers and certainly the mainstream media, anyway, it was all you know Rangers secure forty million pound jackpots, a forty million pound game, and. You know, it seemed that no one from the mainstream media, whose whose job it should be to do it anyway, to actually to ask those questions either of or you know of the club, um, and that that just seemed really really weird. And now it's like as soon as you know the transfer windows shut and we've not brought in anyone new, you know, it's all of a sudden we find out that the Champions League money's half of what 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 we thought it would be. What was your your thoughts on that? The thing that kind of irked me about that is that when when we qualified, you know, after we beat PSG and we qualified, that would have been the point to come out and try and do a bit of expectation setting from the club. Now, I'm not saying yeah. they come out and say, oh, we're not getting any money for this or, you know, they totally pour cold water on it. But, you know, they were kind of quite happy to let fans believe the 40 million and we were all talking about who we're signing and and what business we're doing you know that would have probably been the point to come out and try and do a bit of expectation saying the fact that it's waited until there's you know a bit of discontent among the support because we've not signed anyone off the back of it and then they've had to come out on the back foot and explain that that's what kind of bothered me and it's kind of the thing that that bothered me around the whole, you know, all the kind of interviews I've seen from the executives is they're sort of coming out from a position of being on the back foot. Now, fair play, now fair play to them for actually doing it, um, you know, for recognising there's a need to do it and doing it. But the one thing I would say is they've kind of they've left it to the point where they're doing it from the back foot rather than coming out early, you know, mm-hmm. and doing some some media rounds when we qualified and doing a bit of expectation setting, which would have probably been the you know, with hindsight, that would have been the thing to do. Um, they're kind of coming at it from the back foot. So hopefully they've kind of learned a bit a lesson from that. And we wouldn't hear from them just as much as when things are going well and we're, we're doing well. We want to hear from them and hear what their plans are, you know, just as much as when things aren't going so well and we need answers. Um, so I think they kind of need to get that balance a bit right, mm-hmm. um, to be honest. 
No, no, I think you're right. You know, I, I was just touching on it from the sort of the media side as well, just from, from working on it. You know, I just, it, it just seemed very strange that pretty much every media outlet, you know, whether that's a TV station, a radio station, a newspaper, or, you know, an online paper or whatever, we're all going with this same sort of 40 million jackpot line. Um, and it just clearly wasn't the case. And literally all it took was, you know, five minutes worth of research or simply asking the club, you know, how much how much would Rangers get if, if you qualify? You know, that, that's the thing. Did they do that? You know, maybe they did do that. And you don't know what the Rangers board or whoever said to them. Um but you know we ju- we just don't know. It kind of just seems like a real a real breakdown in communication because that that is the reason that the fans think that this is that this was the case because that's what you see in the papers. That's what you see on Twitter. It's forty million. You know, forty million pound jackpot looks a brilliant headline in a newspaper or in a tweet. You know, that's what that's what we've seen, and that makes for a brilliant headline. But you know, it looks like the people in the background maybe haven't done the research or. Um, haven't spoken to the club or there's been a bit of a breakdown in communication there in terms of what people are expecting we're getting versus what we're actually getting for this um, so I guess that's something for, for fans to bear in mind in, in future when we, we qualify that the figures that we see and I include myself in this because I was as guilty as anybody for thinking oh, £40 million jackpot bro you're now be signing um, yeah. but I guess you know in future it's something for Taking a bear in mind is you know the figures that we see in the newspaper or read on on Twitter might not be entirely accurate. Yeah, well, it's it's like your old granny used to say, isn't it? Don't believe everything you read in the papers. Um, and I suppose those lessons for the nineteen forties could still be learned nowadays. <laughs> but instead, I don't believe what you see in the papers. It's don't believe what you read on Twitter. Um, but yeah, just um, just before we wrap up, guys, because obviously we know it's Friday and we're, we're taking up a lot of your time here, we just wanted to mention one of our last sponsors, and that's Football Prizes and um, the weekly competition this week. I've got to admit, it's um, an absolute cracker. Um, it's a Brian Loudrop signed uh, Rangers shirt. Um, so you can head over um, to their website um, at footballprizes.co.uk um, to see that. You can also head over to the Jersey online um Twitter page um, to see that as well and the link will be up there um, as well just before we go um, as well over at jersnet.co.uk I've got to say as well we've got a brand new website um, and it's looking really really good obviously you can go there with your forum um, and you can sort of see articles and whatnot um, written by some of our contributors and there's a wee sort of introduction to um, us as a podcast team as well which I'm sure you'll all be delighted to see Um, but yeah just got to say before we leave thanks very much um, Brian for joining me it's been an absolute pleasure um, and we'll be back um, in the next coming days um, and it'll be Colin hosting with Alec and Gary to preview that trip to Anfield um, on Tuesday which is going to be a cracker um, but we've got big fish to deal with tomorrow in terms of hearts and hopefully we can get over the line before that game on Tuesday so Again, thanks to you guys at home for listening. Thanks, Brian, for joining me. I've been Craig Gray, and thank you for listening to the Gelsnet podcast.